0: of course i'm sailing since a long time and i can see a storm coming and i can manage it you know you have to act you cannot wait for the storm to come on you you really have to anticipate everything
1: hello everyone welcome to iwf game changers a monthly conversation with some of the trailblazing members of the international women's forum I'm Ann Doyle. Let's talk about life in leadership. Alexia Barret is one of the top women sailors in the world. A member of IWF France, Alexia recently completed the renowned Vendée Globe, a solo non-stop around-the-world yacht race that requires a lone sailor to spend 111 days or so at sea, roughly three months, covering over 24,000 nautical miles, rounding the Cape of Good Hope, Cape Luin, and Cape Horn. And in the 30-year history of the Vande Globe, which is considered the ultimate test in ocean racing, only 10 women have completed this fantastic and challenging nautical adventure. Welcome, Alexia. No doubt you live very close to the sea. Where are you joining us from? Hi, I'm
0: so happy to be with you today. I'm uh, living in the south of France in uh, Biot, is a village close by Nice. Maybe you know this place, Nice and uh, Antibes. So I'm really close to the sea.
1: Uh, Ten minutes by bike, so it's perfect. <laughs> are you are you racing these days, or training, or uh, or relaxing and recovering? Mm-hmm. I'm training every day as a sportswoman.
0: I have to uh, keep uh, in shape uh, and be ready for the next challenges. So it's an everyday training. And uh, for sure, it's summertime.
1: It's holiday time, family time also. So I take time for myself. I want to imagine this alone at sea for over three months. You're wet. You're often cold. You're facing huge waves and possibly storms. What calls you to tackle such a lonely and dangerous challenge?
0: For me, it's uh, where I can find my balance in life. When I'm racing offshore, is where I feel good and I can be myself. It's easier for me to do that than being in the street. For example, in Paris, for me, it's really scary. <laughs>
1: Being in the street in Paris is scary and out on the ocean by yourself facing gigantic waves, you're at peace. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, that explains a lot as to why you can do something like this. So take us out on your boat. Tell us about your boat, the Penguin. I understand it wasn't the newest or fanciest or had the most technologically advanced capabilities of all the yachts that you were racing against.
0: In this fleet of uh, 33 boats of the last Vandeglobe, I had the oldest one, the Penguin. And uh, like all the boats of Vandeglobe, it's a monohull, 60 feet length, and the mast is 29 meters high. I have about 100 meters square of sails. It's a really, really powerful boat. Uh, so to manage it on your own, you have to to train a lot and uh, to have the ability of uh, doing some maneuvers on your own. And it's a really big challenge. I think when I see people doing that, I think that they are crazy, but I'm doing the same. I don't realize really uh, what I, I am doing doing and accomplish so uh it's really sport boat there is nothing inside the boat you know there is no bed no toilets no shower nothing uh it's uh, the lightest we can make it possible we do it so yeah it's like uh, being in a camping tent uh, for more than three months
1: (laughs) but how do you sleep when you're out there for that long
0: So uh, I have an autopilot, uh, which is driving the boat. Uh, Most of the time, the pilot is on. And um, so I can sleep because of this pilot. And I sleep in between 8 and 40 minutes. I I do little naps and for um, six hours per 24 hours. But you have to know that we are working days and nights. For us, it's the same because you have to um, carry the sails, then uh, hoist it and uh, trim it and then check the weather forecast. And there is lots of things to do on the boat. Uh, so you will sometimes find little time for yourself where you can read a book or listen to music. But most of the time, you, you're just working hard and uh, It's really um, a really, really big challenge.
1: So there's autopilot. And I imagine that's uh, as an airplane pilot flying a gigantic plane. But you are there watching uh, in case something goes wrong. And of course, things do go wrong. uh, Right. I mean, tell us about some of the, the biggest challenges or the scariest moments out there.
0: It's a very good comparison because it's like in a plane. You have computers, you have screens, you have numbers and you have alarms. So you have to check everything, wind direction, wind force, and also the speed of a boat, the direction of a boat, and um, everything comes together. And so your mind is always concentrated and uh, focused, sorry, on uh, the numbers. Uh, you you never stop thinking and trying to think about the next strategy. I think you can be really tired after this race
1: just because of a brain work during all these days. What do you do when you know? I mean, you must get weather information, but I'm sure you can you can feel a storm coming. You can smell a storm coming or see it in the waves, right? I mean, what do you do as you know a storm is coming? So... Um, Now,
0: with the satellites, we can have good information. And the weather forecasts are really good. Except when the COVID arrived, because you have less observation in real time. Because there was no more plane, no more boats uh, traveling around the world, you have less information. That means um, the forecast is really poor quality. Quality, sorry. So, um, of course, I'm sailing since a long time and I can see a storm coming and I can manage it. You know, you have to act. You cannot uh, wait for the storm storm to come on you. You really have to anticipate everything. I can read on my charts, on the weather charts, uh, one week before what will happen. So you have to be ready. You have to eat well, to sleep as much as you can, to fix everything on the boat, to check that everything is working well. And when the storm is here, you know that it's for 24 or maybe 48 hours and you try to stay inside because it's safer. Otherwise, a wave can take you and take you out of the boat. And this is really dangerous.
1: All right. So tell us about maybe some of the joyful, peaceful, (laughs) or maybe most memorable moments out there on the ocean. I'm super lucky, you
0: know, because I have a chance to live with the nature in the ocean uh, with a wildlife for 111 days. I've seen no human people. I've seen the land only once. It was in the Cape Horn. So for me, that's really, uh, really the best. Part of my job is to have to experience this. And when you see the wildlife without the human action, you can see that it's beautiful. They are free to live their life. And uh, I've seen incredible things like the birth of a baby whale in front of my boat.
1: Wow. Tell
0: us about that. I was sleeping. There was no wind. It was really calm, you know, glassy on the sea, no wind. So for racing, it's not very good when it's like that. Anyway, my boat was not moving at all. <laughs> and I heard something on the hull of my boat. It was um, one of a um, whales coming and touching my boat just to tell me that something was happening. So I ran outside. I saw the whale. And in front of my boat, there was a circle of whales swimming, you know, to protect the mother and the baby was coming just in front of me. It's like 50 meters in front of my boat. So I ran to take my camera. No more batteries. Uh, I wanted to make a film. No more batteries. So I think to myself, okay, this one is for me. It's my memory.
1: Yes. Wow. From there. Take us back to the beginning of all this. Give us a sense of the young girl and what she was dreaming about and how you could possibly become such an incredible sailor at such a young age. I was born in Paris, but luckily my parents moved to
0: Nice, so close by the sea in the south of France when I was three years old. So my brother and I, we grew up nearby the sea and my parents had a little sailing boat really small one six meter length and they took us uh, for the weekend you know for cruising and picnic at sea it was so cool for me it's like adventure exploration but we were really close to the shore and not really far from the harbor but in my memory it's a it's really a big adventure then i fall in love with the sea at this time and I was uh, also playing basketball when I was uh, 10 years old. I wanted to be a professional basketball player. I told that to my parents and they told me, "Alexa, come on, you are small, you are a woman, you are French. No way you can be a professional basketball player. So <laughs> my dream crashed. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, like maybe a year after that, I saw on the TV, the first Vendée Globe, the start of the first Vendée Globe. And I had like, I can feel it when I tell you that. Goose pimple on my arms. And I told myself, one day I will be at the start of this race for sure. But this time I, I didn't tell anyone because it was my dream. I, I don't want someone to break it again. So I keep it for myself. And I did work out and train and do many races. And even if when you are a girl, it's not really easy to find opportunities to go to high level. I found some opportunities and I, I met the best sailors in the world and I was really lucky for that. And they helped me to to have confidence and carry on my, on my way to the Vendée Globe.
1: You said as a girl, it was difficult to have opportunities to... Sail competitively or to get these chances to learn with great sailors, you know, that's such a familiar story in terms of every different profession. As a girl, it's so difficult. Why is it so difficult in the world of sailing?
0: Yes, you're right. It's the same everywhere. But uh, as
1: a sailor, when I was,
0: uh, I think, 18, I was fourth in the Mondial Ranking List. I was one of the best sailors of my age. No no matter girl or boy, I was one of the best. And I wanted to go on a crew, on a beautiful boat for a race. And so I I came to the boat. I came to the captain of the boat. And he answered me, Alexia, you can do the sandwiches or you can bring us uh, the mooring line, but no way you will race with us. So I think this day I, I was really frustrated and in a way also he gave me a lot of energy by these sentences uh, because I wanted to prove something.
1: Why did he say that to you? At at that moment, did he say why? What did you know at that moment or feel? Oh, yes, I know. I
0: think uh, not all the sailors are are like that. Uh, But this guy, he was thinking she's a woman, she's not really strong. And she she won't be able to manage a boat. But the thing, you know, and now these people, they are calling me to sail on my boats. So <laughs> it's so funny. Life is funny.
1: <laughs> but you do have to be strong, but that doesn't mean that women aren't strong enough to sail, is what I hear you saying. You know, sailing is the only
0: sport uh, where women and men can compete in the same ranking list. Uh, and uh, that's a big chance, but we have to take our place. Uh, we have to make our opportunities, and I think it's uh, also a reason why uh, many women are sailing single handed or double handed and cannot race with the uh, best crews because uh, it's still difficult. Once you sail the, with the boys, they understand that you are really good.
1: This first time is really hard to get. And another piece of competitive sailing, of course, is that unless you are independently wealthy, uh, you need resources, you need sponsors. I mean, these boats are not cheap, I'm sure. Uh, Tell us about the challenge uh, that you have had and that women face in terms of getting that kind of sponsorship to compete at your level.
0: It's really hard. You have to raise lots of money, even if... um... Investment is really interesting for the branding and communication for companies. You have to convince them that even if you're a woman, you can finish the race, you can be good, you can win the race. So it's like millions of euros that you have to raise. Uh, So I started my first company 11 years ago um, when I did my first attempt to, to go around the world. And now I have two companies and also one foundation. Um, So it's the particularity of our job is to be an athlete athlete and uh, also entrepreneur. Uh, So you have to manage a company, manage a team, uh, be the best in your sport, be able to do some communication, some marketing. It's really interesting. I think when I will be too old to continue this sport, I will have so many skills because of that experience.
1: And you are also using your skills to help science. Uh, Tell us about your foundation and what you're doing in terms of um, science and, and helping nature and save our planet. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes it's a big job huh? hopefully I'm not the only one trying to <laughs> yeah. save the planet <laughs> but uh, yeah it was like uh, 11 years ago I was coming back from a race across Atlantic we were winning the race and arriving in England and I saw trashes and uh, uh, garbage and plastic everywhere uh, before arriving on land and uh, that experience uh, changed my mind Change my vision and I w- really wanted to do to protect, something to protect ocean. So I decided to make a foundation and work with scientists. But as I am not a scientist, I think it took me like nine months to convince them but I, I was able to help them. So now I, I take data at sea, really important data. It's really rare data because there is no information in the big south, in the south of ocean, Indian Ocean and Pacific Ocean because there is no one. So you have no in-situ data. And uh, that that data, it's about salinity and temperature and also on the microplastic, microplastic and Mm -hmm. acidification. So that helps a lot the scientists.
1: What's the issue about the plastic? I know that's something that you talk about a lot.
0: The plastic is, there is the one you can see. It's, uh, it's uh, ugly, but the worst is the one you cannot see. It's a microplastic. It's a less five millimeter length uh, particle of plastic. And you have to know that this plastic is today everywhere. It's in every single drop of water in the sea, in the ocean, in the rivers, also in the rain. And this is terrible, it's the biggest problem today in the ocean because uh, it's big, big pollution for the wildlife, but also for human beings, because we are eating
1: plastic every day. What can those of us who are listening, who are not scientists or sailors working with science, uh, what can we do to help? For sure, we are not all
0: scientists or sailors, but we all are heroes because when you buy something, you can be a hero. You just think, do you really need this thing? Where is it coming from? Is it made of plastic? And if you start thinking of what you are buying, it's the first, first thing to do today to help ocean. Ocean is our life is uh, giving us oxygen, is giving us uh, food. So if we kill ocean, we are killing ourselves.
1: I know that you're talking to the next generation. Uh, what else do you want them to know when you go and talk to them?
0: I try to give them some confidence because, you know, kids, they all have a dream, but they can forget it really easily when you don't give them love and confidence and tell them that in life, whatever is your Color, gender, uh, social status. You can do what you want in life. Of course, you have to work a lot. It's a lot of work, but you can accomplish what you want in life. That's the message I want to tell them.
1: That's a fantastic message. And uh, you are an inspiration to, to girls and, and to women. You inspire me to do more. <laughs> who inspires you? I mean, when you look back as a young girl, was there someone that inspired you or, or somebody today who keeps challenging you to, to stretch even further? I love many people. I'm looking at
0: some of the sports women. I can tell per example, the last one who inspired me was uh, Sky Brown. She's 13 years old. She's English and she won a medal, a skateboard medal at the last Olympic Games. Yes. And, you know, the kids, they won a medal, but the first thing they want to do is to hug the other competitors and Have a celebration all together. It doesn't matter Mm. if you win or if you lose. And for me, it's the best message because when we will be able to collaborate and to be happy together, life will change for everyone. That
1: brings me to the pictures that I saw of you finishing uh, this incredible ocean race. I know that you are training now that your next goal is to compete again in 2024 is the next one. Uh, what do you imagine feeling? Is it those goosebumps again in terms of seeing yourself finish?
0: Yes, the finish was amazing. It was a really a big moment because uh, I was... Um, accomplishing something the dream of my life and uh, I was not the first in the race and now I want to go again to try to be the first in the race so that's why I'm working hard again trying to raise the money I need to be the first because it's about money also we need to have the best boat to 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 be competitive and training 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 every day and also sharing my stories because I love that (laughs)
1: Fantastic. We wish you tremendous success. We'll certainly uh, check back in with you as you get close to competing and maybe when you're out there on the ocean in 2024. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Anne. Alexia Barrier, one of the fantastic and top ocean sailors in the world joining us from France's Mediterranean coast. You are an inspiration to women, to young girls, to me. And what a fantastic message you have to help us save the planet and for more women to join you on the water. Thank you to our listeners as well for joining us for this episode of Game Changers. We hope you'll join us again as we talk about life in leadership. I'm Ann Doyle.